Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Taurus, Makers of the Raging Hunter Handgun. Burnham Brothers Game Calls. Double Nickel Taxidermy. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Welcome to the Thanksgiving Week Campfire Podcast. Hope everybody's had an absolutely fantastic Thanksgiving, spending time with family and friends. And for those of y'all that live in areas where there's hunting to be had, hopefully you've been able to get out and do a lot of great hunting. And in the process of that, have taken the buck of your dreams and also a whole lot of venison for the freezer. We live in Texas, where I, or at least I do, and uh, we've got lots of great hunting still to be had in the next several weeks with an MLD program that we have on our property that I lease out in western Texas. We can actually hunt until the end of February, so lots of good hunting still to be had, but uh, wanted to visit this week in particular a little bit about uh, rattling white-tailed deer and the kind of hunting season I've been having, and with me I've got a very special guest, Mr. Brandon Houston. Brandon and I do a lot of things together, and Brandon does all the social media for me. And I'll have to tell you that we put a post up that uh, showed me rattling that Brandon put up. And the last time that we looked, we had like 6.5 million views. We've had over a reach of somewhere over 10 million. So I don't know what we did right, Brandon, but whatever, we're, we've gotten response from uh, literally all over North America and a few of our friends that live offshore. But uh, and it was nothing but me sitting there rattling and grunting a few times. So it's that time of the year, though, isn't it? Everybody loves rattling. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what everybody does? I mean, I, how I, can I'm you not call sure yourself? Everybody does it, to be honest with you. I, I mean, if you're a whitetail hunter, you have to be rattling. I mean, if, if, if the low pressure and cold weather doesn't make you want to put a set of antlers in your hands <laughs> and get run over by a nice mature deer or or a young one that's eager and ready to go. I don't know what else can get your blood pumping. But we did do something around that post. I think last night when I looked, it was at 7.5 million. 7.5 million. And uh, 
it was a reach of over 10 million. And that, you know, that springboarded everything else that we've posted and put out there since we've pretty much been on the road the last three weeks. Um, I don't know. I, I went back and looked. I have no earthly idea what we did different. <laughs> I, 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 we used the same hashtags. We tagged the proper people. I, I don't know what it was, but hey, I just like to say maybe it's just your rattling. I think it's it's the rattling. I think it's just the the fact that there's really no speaking involved other than I think I may have grunted a time or two mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm banging the antlers together, and it's you can't even see it's really me other than you can see it over the shoulder, and you can see my white beard, and you can see the hat and that kind of thing. Of course, you can see the Trigicon scope out in front, and if you look real close, I think you might be able to see the the Horny DH that they use as a logo, but it. It's amazing. We've been involved in social media now for a while, and I think it's it's the timing and in terms of uh, people thinking in terms of, of uh, as you said, maybe it is the rattling that they're thinking about, or you know, wondering what in the world I was doing, hitting banging two antlers together. That may have had a part to do with, it, particularly in some of those areas, because I'm sure out of those uh, seven point five view, million views that we've had. Hopefully, all of them were deer hunters, and if not, I got a feeling they'll. We educated a few, and and I got a feeling even some of those that are serious deer hunters were going, "Oh my gosh, he's rattling," you know. And maybe we need to be trying to do some of the same thing this time of the year. Well, and I think too, I think you hit the nail on the head. That video was posted pretty early. Yes, and. And a lot of places, particularly in Texas, people were probably going, what in the world is Larry doing? If my mind serves me correctly, I think it was about 85 degrees that day. It was. It, it was. It was really, really warm the day that we did it, and we were down in uh, we were over, down, I say, over in the eastern part of the state on the on the cotton property that both you and I mm-hmm. hunted, and, and uh, mosquitoes were out, particularly <laughs> after before daylight and after dark. But uh, great opportunity for us to hunt on some really interesting property, and we're going to be working with the cotton family on their management program in the future, which I'm really thrilled about because it's in an area that produces some really big white deer in terms of body and in terms of antler and that ranch is set up so well in terms for wildlife including for waterfowl and we'll be doing some development on waterfowl there as well too and Lots of hogs, of course, all over that part of the state of Texas, and also a lot of squirrels. And I'm hoping that sometime come maybe January, February, or March, whenever the squirrel season is open, we can return there. And then, too, we'll have an opportunity to kind of look at the vegetation to see yes. what might need to be done in terms yeah. of nutrition during that time frame. But That's uh, a beautiful, beautiful piece of property. And I, just, I, know, I know that we'll have to make sure we keep a tickle tongue tree and a <laughs> podcast in two separate places because if we get close to tickle tongue tree we probably wouldn't sound very good in a podcast <laughs> yeah, but, the but needless to say that was a very interesting find it, it is it is also called a, a uh, Hercules, Hercules club tree and uh, it's got a bunch of knots on it with a little bitty uh, uh, thorns if you will and kind of what you would imagine Hercules might be carrying as a uh, as a club many many years ago but also the i'm not sure what it is that's in those leaves but it's uh, almost like an astringent type of thing and uh it can uh, make you salivate a little bit and uh <laughs> i'm salivating right now thinking about because I, I got everybody to taste it there's a, a, a tickle tongue 
uh, sumac that's very similar in a lot of different ways that we find in the western part of the state. And, and I was telling people about it, and I said, well, this looks just like it. And I put it in my mouth, sure enough, guess what? It tasted just like the tickle tongue sumac does. But you know, mentioning some of the wildlife stuff is Aiden Outdoors is is such a great organization of, of real estate people and and uh, like that property that the Cottons have is a perfect example of, of property similar to what they have in their listings in the fact that these guys really know wildlife and they have a great understanding of habitat and they have a great understanding of vegetation and and soil types and water and so you know if you're interested in in uh, somewhere down the way in, in terms of having property that you can hunt fish or just sit out and enjoy the wildlife that's there whether you hunt or fish or not Hayden Outdoor certainly is a place to go to and then again they're the brand that sells land and you can go to HaydenOutdoors.com, no matter where you live in North America. And if you live outside North America and you decide you want a property here, those are the folks that you want to go to. With all that said, coming back to the property, uh, I want to talk address a little bit. I've had a most interesting hunting season this year that we'll, uh, you covered, we covered a little bit of it in one of the last episodes where I spoke about the camping trip down in Baja. Came back from it, spent time in East Texas with Brandon, and and uh, from there, Brandon and I went to uh, property that they have leased or have at their disposal up in Northwest Texas. Had a great time up there. We actually rattled up some bucks up there as well, too. We did that, and 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 that was pretty early as well. But but we had a pretty big weather change take place. You know, we went from well that video that we posted. We went from being carried out of those woods by mosquitoes in eighty five degrees to we left there and drove from northern Texas to northern western Texas. Right. And we're bundled up and 20 degrees and frost on the ground and and it changed everything. But the deer still were that moon phase is what crippled us. It was it was absolutely miserable. Those deer were moving the peak hours on hunt stand, which is, you know, been a real big help for us this year. Absolutely. I, 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 you know, with their new Whitetail Pro, it's been it's been great. We've been testing it all week. And but anyways, um, that moon phase really hurt us because those peak hours were a.m.s. They and were, I'm not talking a.m., 6 a.m. I'm talking 2, 3, 4, 5 a.m. Exactly. Almost all the movement that occurred as far as deer were concerned was over, over the time of darkness. And, of course, that started changing a little bit. The weather, too, was most interesting because here in Texas, and I know throughout some of the Midwest and friends out in western parts of the country, they had a tremendous amount of snow. That system that set in here, and it's still here, actually as we're recording this a couple of days before Thanksgiving is is still in our area and the weather's continued to be relatively cool during the days it's been cold in the mornings we left this morning in kind of an icy fog that had the every bit of vegetation out there absolutely beautiful kind of thing so that system has helped but it wasn't until just the last couple of days uh, of being here that some of these deer started moving more during the middle part of the day as they should or early in the morning late in the evening and uh, we're in a phase now where we have virtually no moon and so I've always had really good luck when there was a full moon all night long or no moon at night to hunt during the middle part of the day and, and we're trying to get this podcast 
just done this morning so that here in about an hour or so we can head back out because that's when hunt stand says the peak movement's going to be and it, it certainly has borne that out over the last several days of us of playing with it but let's get back to the rattling part we uh the rattling to me is the most fun way there is to to have whitetail deer respond to you. The, the vocalizations that you can kind of throw in with all that, but then the rattling. And rattling works anywhere you have whitetail deer. It works better where you have a lot of bucks. And, and property that we're on is extremely well managed, has been well managed from the livestock and the uh, wildlife side now for probably about 18 to 20 years. And it's really starting to show that the effects because the buck doe ratio on this property is about one buck every 1.2 does and then when you hit the horse together and i know they're antlers but they're rattling horse during the regular time of, of when we're hunting but uh when you hit those antlers together horns together the more bucks that are out there that can hear it the greater the opportunity is that one or more will respond well, yes, and one of the most important things if you're going to rattle, and you know this, is you have to know where your wind's at. You have to be able to see Excuse that me. downwind side. I, I don't care where those bucks are going to come from or where you think they're going to come from. No matter what, they're not going to stop until they get to that downwind side. And they're going to make their way downwind. I, I mean, how many times in the past two weeks have we had bucks just circle us and circle us oh, yeah. and circle? They can, they can darn, I mean, last night, what, you hit the horns together for a matter of two seconds, three bucks darn near ran us completely over, but never stopped until they got to your right-hand side, which is exactly where that wind was at. Exactly. To me, that's one of the reasons when you set up, you always want to be looking downwind to some extent. But when you set up, always have shooting lanes to your left, to your right immediately, and then at a quartering of that to where you can see those deer when they come in. Maybe you can stop them with a grunt or something, not if not the first one the second time, because even though we use a scent guardian, which is absolutely fantastic, and the deer really, well, I've had deer circle me several times since we've been here, as have you, and uh, trying to get our scent. But you, you always want to be watching because you know once that buck gets downwind, there may be something there that you're not aware of that he can pick up uh, the, the human odor or maybe your gun oil or something that's not quite right. And that really is a key to get them sending off in another direction kind of thing. So uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I taught myself how to shoot left and right-handed many, many years ago. And so I've shot just as many deer left-handed, even though I'm right-handed, so I can switch either way. Because you know that deer's going to come downwind, but you don't know whether it's going to come around to your right or whether it's going to come around to your left kind of thing. Well, I've always kind of looked at rattling and deer coming in downwind, kind of like a human. You know, they always say when you take away one of our senses, it, en it enhances our other senses. And I feel like... When a buck comes charging into an area, his senses are enhanced. His vision, he's honed in on the sound. His his nose, he's looking for that doe. He's looking for those bucks. And if he can't see them, he's blinded. So he's got to use his nose. And if he can if he can get downwind and find that scent trail, then he can use his eyes to get there. And so I think that's what pinpoints us. I mean, but to what you're saying, how many times have we rattled up beer this last two weeks where, you know, both, we're pretty big fellers. 
and we're, we've set up against trees that are, you know, the size. Of, I, I've had toothpicks bigger than that. <laughs> exactly. and they still come right in. But the moment they get downwind, they, they pick up. And it could be like you said, your gun oil. Exactly. You, you could have wiped your thumb. You could eat a glazed donut, wiped it on your britches, and that, that's what they pick. I mean, it's anything that's not what they know they should be smelling from well, what they're you're, hearing. you're right. Deer live by their eyes, their ears, their nose. They pay attention to what they hear. They pay attention to what they see, but they truly pay attention to what they smell because even if they see and hear, they'll confirm with their nose whether or not it's dangerous. So, again, that's one of those reasons when you set up, always set up so you're so you can see downwind, but where you can see those bucks before they get directly downwind of you. Uh, and it doesn't make a bit of difference whether the wind's blowing just a minorest of amount or if it's blowing quite strongly. Usually, though, what happens is when you get this very minor wind, like a one, two, three mile an hour wind, you have a tendency for that wind to swirl when you're in the brush or in the woods. So take that in consideration as well, too. As far as timing is concerned, as to we've rattled up bucks at first light we've rattled up bucks late late in the afternoon we've rattled up a fair number of bucks particularly during the time frame when that activity period of feeding period is at, at its highest during those peak feeding years it just seemed like the deer are much more uh, active at that point to begin with and again you, you can get that off the hunt stand app and there's so many other things you can see which way the wind you can actually sit down and you know which way the wind's going to blow just by looking at the map that you've got and see where your scent is going to so you, you'll know whether or not okay maybe i got to back out maybe i got to go a little bit farther maybe i go farther left farther right so that i can see before that deer actually gets into that that scent area if you will so uh, but the rattling part is is great fun I, I like a little bit bigger antlers and to where they've got four points on top like maybe would be a 10 point because i can make a little bit more noise with them i tend to like bigger antlers because with big antlers i can make a lot of noise or i can just barely tinkle them together and make a small amount of noise with a small set of antlers you can make a small set of noise that's Mm -hmm. bottom line so there are times when you have to rattle loud particularly in areas where maybe it's a little more wide open or the wind's a little bit stronger and so you want to rattle a bit louder when you in tight brush and there's not a whole lot of uh, wind movement maybe you want to rattle a little softer Uh, you maybe want to rattle for 30 seconds and put them down if that works continue doing if it doesn't keep rattling Uh, rub the brush kick the ground Roll rocks because when two bucks get together, particularly two big old mature bucks, they're actually trying to literally kill each other. They do not like each other at all, and they're going to make a tremendous amount of noise. The closer you get to the peak rut, the more noise that you actually want to make. And then as you get past that peak rut, you start tailing off again in terms of the amount of noise. The distance that you travel between rattling really kind of depends on the habitat and the wind and terrain. I mean, I think you have to. I think you need to know. Have a have a general idea. And again, we keep saying it, but that's where hunt stand has been good for us out here. Oh yeah, because we have predominantly focused on some of these canyons that we have never stepped in. We've never nope. seen. We, some of them we haven't even driven around. So. No. We need to know how deep is that canyon? How wide is that canyon? What's the wind doing? It's a south wind. Canyon wall is on our south. Is it going to suck the thermals? You know, you need to know all these things so you have a plan. You know, and and to the horns, I couldn't agree more. You know, but also too, one of the things I found is I got a set of rattling antlers 
that I've had for a while, and they're, they're it's just a mainframe tin. I cut the brow tines off of it and grind them down. But what I noticed is, is this particular buck had a had a very predominant curve into his into his main vein, and it makes it harder to rattle with those horns versus the ones you've used for decades. It's, <laughs> Literally it's, it's decades. The exact same set. But they that deer grew more up instead right. of out and in. Exactly. I noticed that the sound is completely different. Now the tickling, I, I've always been a big fan of that tickling sound. I think that is especially once you've got one maybe honed in on you, that is enough to either pull him in, keep him looking, and that's also enough. That when they're circling to keep their interest around you, but um, the, the sound, uh, for whatever reason, I felt has always been different with those bucks that their main beams curve in dramatically versus the ones that don't. And, and I've had better success with what I feel to be the sound carrying further with antlers like the ones we've been using versus those old set that I used to have. Well, you, you mentioned that particular buck. <laughs> those are shed antlers that came off of about a 150 class buck from on Tim Schmidt's Double T Ranch up close to Mason and Menard, Texas. Uh, Tim gave those to me a long time ago. And I rattled up, I have lost count of the number of bucks I rattled up. I also occasionally will, if I can find the right set of, of freshly, uh, shit, <clears throat> excuse me, freshly shed mule deer antlers i really like to use fair size mule deer antlers because you have that double fork and again maybe it doesn't make a darn bit of difference to the deer but it sounds better to me with those extra points of having like a four point up on top as opposed to a three point up on top to me you can just make a little bit more racket and it sounds more like two actual two actual racks meshing together kind of thing so uh and and and, and the, the, one of the things I wanted to, to address is is something that we get messaged quite often on our social media, and that and that is the message that comes through. It says, "I don't know why you're doing it that long. Bucks don't fight that long." And, and you're right, they don't. Sometimes, 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 sometimes they do, but sometimes we don't rattle that long. Sometimes no. it doesn't take that, but we do that because if we're in an area where we need that sound to continue to travel a little bit further, we think the bucks may be further away. We want to keep that interest going. It's it's not necessarily a set time of how how long. No, 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 no. There Some is of no them put their time. horns together, push each other, boom, they're breaking apart. Some of them, like you said, I mean, it, it's an all-out war. I, I, the, the longest I've ever watched two bucks fight was for eight hours. And it started about 10 o'clock one night underneath the, I used to take care of a ranch up in the northwest part of, uh, or just uh, in the northern part of the hill country, northwestern part of the hill country. And we had two bucks show up underneath that nightlight at about, at about 10 o'clock, they circled each other, had their ears laid back, you know, and hair standing on end to make each other look better. And one of them went, that snort wheeze. And the next thing you know, they came together and they fought and they fought and they fought and they would get so tired that they just kind of stand there and lean against each other and just barely click those horns or antlers every once in a while. And you can hear them breathing and going, <gasps> finally one of them catch his breath and by God, the fight would be on again. And it lasted a grand total. That it was it's six o'clock the next morning. I stayed up and watched them all night long. And during the process of that, there were numerous bucks that came in 
in uh, of all different sizes, everything from small bucks to bucks with bigger antlers and bigger bodies than the, the two that were fighting. But they stood, stood there literally when they couldn't fight anymore and just breathing heavily. And But neither one wanted to turn tail and be the loser because they knew, of course, they knew as soon as one of them turned tail, the other one's going to run up there and poke them in the butt with antlers kind pride, of thing. So, <laughs> But in the process of that, we had probably, I, I, there were probably 10, 15 different bucks that came in, at least that many. The most bucks I've ever rattled up in one setting was a little over 20. It was 22 bucks that came in. And I'd rattle for a while, and then I just, and bucks would come in, and we'd look at them. This was up, uh, oh, close to Albany, Texas, on the uh, Stasny Cook Ranch that Johnny Hudman used to take care of years ago. And, and when Johnny was a ranch manager, and, and his son and I went out, and we sat in one spot and rattled up 22 different bucks. And I'd rattle for a while, and these bucks would come in, and we think, well, Let's maybe want to move, and I go. Let's try it one more time, and I hit them together again, and here come another set of bucks. So uh, that was just one of those magical days. That didn't happen very often. No, uh, I'm, there's several times I've rattled up as many as eight or ten bucks in the same place on some really good ranches in the hill country and in the South Texas brush country when the timing was right. Just generally right before that rut was really kicking off big time. So, but I've also rattled up bucks in in uh, in Alabama in a few places where they had a buck-to-doe ratio according to their biologist of bucked every 12 to 15 does. So it, it does work. Does it work every time? No, not even where you have more bucks than you do does. And that's key is I think a lot of people that have tried rattling get discouraged because they go out there and they're banging horns together and or banging antlers together, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, and they don't see anything. Nothing ever happens. And... and I think they get discouraged and think, well, you know, my bucks don't respond to that. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, your bucks do. They do respond to it. It is the key word is the timing. It, it, it is the timing. And there's I've looked at every possible parameter that you could look at uh, to determine the peak rattling right now because barometric pressure, because of increasing pressure, drop in pressure, because of humidity, because of wind direction, because of temperature, because of moon phase, because of timing of the moon phase, all those kind of things. And there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. But I've also been on really good places in South Texas where we had huge ranches, buck to doe ratio of one to one, probably 45 to 50 percent of our bucks were mature, being four and a half years of age or older and had lots of three and a half and two and a half as well too and see a buck out there and just slip in very quietly start rattling antlers the buck will never pick up his head move 500 yards do the same thing find a buck and hit the antlers together and they don't pay a bit of attention and, and do a long kind of a circuitous thing to where by 11 or 12 or 1 o'clock I'm back to where I started from and I go well shucks let's just see what happened hit the horns together and guess what that buck that earlier that morning paid no more attention like he couldn't hear me I, I watched him run from 400 yards come to me and I've seen that happen several times so but it, it wasn't one of those days to where peak activity was 
afternoon. Peak activity I, was in the morning, supposedly. So, you know, all those things, there's there's no rhyme or reason to it at times. It's like, why did they respond? Do they respond because they're trying to get a doe away from them? Are they responding simply because they want to fight? You know, are they, what, are, are they trying to see what other bucks are in the area? You know, are they want to get rid of the competition by ramming them while they're fighting them? You know, I, I have no idea because there's so many different variables in that, in that all I know is that if I do this, this, and this, and I do it throughout the day, sometimes if I have bucks in the area, I am going to have a buck, particularly if his testosterone level is up, I'm going to have a buck respond. Bucks come to antlers because they want to come to antlers. You know, uh, beyond that, I can't tell you whether why that peak is at a certain time or, or why it isn't. They're no different than us. I guess. Why do you choose to get up and walk over and grab a Dr. Pepper out of the refrigerator right now? But you don't tomorrow. I mean, they're no different than no, us. I, guess I, I think. I think too. I think, yeah, especially when you get you start talking about mature bucks, they're just like mature men. They're stubborn. I'm not gonna pick my head up. I don't care about them youngsters fighting. I'm gonna eat right now. Exactly. Let me get a little food in my belly, and then I'll go over and teach you a lesson. You know, I've always thought that it's that that's how it is. And the more you watch deer, the more you study deer, the more you start looking at all these things. Well, it just ends up being the fact of the matter. <laughs> It's being at the right place at the right time, kind of like, I just get to take a Bob Folk Rock, a very dear old friend of many years. Bob and I were on the uh, Redhead Pro Hunting team for years back when Johnny Morris just basically had the one store in Springfield, and he and I helped open a whole bunch of the stores. And he used to give seminars and all that kind of thing, and every once in a while, somebody would ask Bob about patterning a deer, and Bob says, how are you going to pattern that deer if he doesn't know where he's going to be five minutes from now? You know, kind of <laughs> yeah. thing, and there there is some of that. There, I'm sure there's some kind of rhyme or reason with, with deer movement obviously because you know we were talking about hunt standing you look at the activity periods and the feeding periods and the, all that kind of thing but uh there is that fact is you know does he know where he's gonna when he wakes up in the morning or being out all night does he know where he'd want to go some instances they may because maybe the rut's going on and there's a food plot and the does are hanging around the food plot or there's a cornfield that still has corn in it so he knows there's something to eat or if the rut's going on he knows there's going to be does around there so uh you know there is some of that reasoning i'm sure going on with, within those bucks but uh, to know for sure where one of those scoundrels is going to be at any given time even with trail cameras and everything that we have these days <coughs> you know you, you I learned a long time ago that uh, I've dealt with a lot of white-tailed deer in, in, in a lot of kind of circumstances, in lots of situations, in lots of habitat, and lots of terrain. And just about time you think you got one figured out, he's going to teach you a new lesson. I'll make a liar out of you. He's going to make a liar out of you. Well, like yesterday. Ye- yesterday, you and I were walking a little bit more of a high country, and it was riddled with rubs and scrapes. And, of course, after a couple hours of rattling, we both kind of dawned on us and went, hey, wait a minute. If we'd have been here two weeks prior, we'd have probably had bucks running us over. But every one of those scrapes was full of leaves. Oh, yeah. Which meant what? That's why we were seeing those bucks had moved down to that low country. Exactly. Where those does were at. There's food and does there with the little natural fillery that grows here. It's just an absolutely fantastic low-growing forb, if you will, that's highly nutritious, highly palatable, and the deer love it. And that's where those deer tend to go to because of the food. But again, going back to this, I got tickled. I spent almost a week on 
the Hargrove Ranch hunting with uh, Craig Archer and, his, and Craig unfortunately wasn't there this time but David his brother was so I hunted with a bunch and when I got there David told me he said Larry said we got a really good buck he said this buck has been seen in this same area every day for the last seven mornings he said I've never said this because I never know for sure where the buck's going to be he said but I, I feel like I got this one tied down for you so I was going oh my god this is fantastic because I also hunt mule deer on that property and I thought cool thing is mule deer season's open same time I'm going to shoot this white tail tomorrow morning I'll have four days to scout for mule deer whether I shoot one now or shoot one later when I return we spent, Jeremiah Bennett and I spent untold amounts of, of uh, well, not untold, but I mean, numerous hours each day, hunting all day long from this, this same area, same blind in some instances, and never, ever saw any hide or hair of that. And those guys, too, had trail cameras down. And they had been on trail camera walking to a food area every day. And when we got there, we're, I don't know where he went. Kevin Northley, I did. He just totally disappeared, left. We hunted five days. And uh, you would have thought sometime in that five days, because we hunted from before daylight to after after sunset, you know, hoping to find him. Because, I mean, shooting legal shooting time is like a half hour before sun up and half hour after sunset. Camera time is a little bit in between there. But we, we never saw that deer. I have no earthly idea where that deer went. Or I know he's still there because it's a great big old ranch and, and there is no hunting pressure on there. We were the only hunters there. There's no poaching pressure in that area. So, you know, for whatever reason, I guess the fact that David made the statement that we got this one tied down and you're going to be able to find him in the morning, you know, after that, yeah, there he went. <laughs> He's same, gone. <laughs> same thing happened last year with that buck you took with me. Oh, after I had same thing. You're right. the same feeder every day for two months. And I go out there two days prior to your arrival and where's this deer at? He's decided he's going to start feeding on a completely different side of the ranch. And it took us two days, and he where did he end up getting up killing him right back where I'd seen him. He, two he returned. Ago. It's almost like they woke up one day and go, I'm going to let my nose. I caught something. I'm, I'm okay. It's going to get carried somewhere else. I'm hoping that's what will happen because I'll be, well, you're going to come with me on the mule deer hunt this year to film it for various projects we've got going on that we'll be talking about in the future. But, uh, I'm hoping that we can find a big mule deer and get him on the ground. And, and of course, we'll do a lot of calling at that point, too. But I hope we can get a mule deer on the ground and maybe that old buck will show up back and that's, maybe he'll return home and we'll get an opportunity because he's right at a 160 class deer kind of thing. Brandon, we talked a little bit about social media. If, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and me or through uh, H3 Whitetail Solutions, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, the, you can get in touch with us. The fastest way is probably right now is probably through the Larry Wysoon Facebook page or the new Instagram page, which is at LarryWysoon.com. Okay. Um, and then the Facebook is, is at Larry Wysoon as well. Um, I said dot com. I apologize for Instagram. It's just at Larry Wysoon. Same thing for Facebook. Yeah. Um, we both get the messages. We both get the comments. We both get the likes. Um, so w- when you're messaging, you're not getting some robot. You're 
you're not getting some person in our office, you're talking nope. to one of us. Um, and if you're talking to me, I will let you know. I, I do not answer for Larry under any circumstances. I, I pass the word on if he's busy. Um, but that, if you want to get get a hold of us through H3 Whitetail Solutions, you can do the same thing. Um, our website, h3whitetailsolutions.com. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at H3 Whitetail Solutions. And if you want to send us an email, it's growem, G-R-O-W-E-M, at h3whitetailsolutions.com. And uh, those emails go directly to Larry and I. Um, beyond that, the, your, your, your business page, the Larry Wyson, is probably the fastest response page right now. And it, it's the one that I watch more than anything else. And a lot of times we're in, in areas where we have very minimal self-service or very minimal um, Internet. That, that, and usually it's self-service I end up depending yeah. on because a lot of the places I go, we do not have Internet. But And so if you don't get a response from me right away, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's simply the fact I haven't yet gotten the message. And then as soon as I get the message, I promise you I will send a response regardless of whether it's uh, a question or a comment or whatever. So get an opportunity, please get in touch with us. Let us know how your hunting season has gone. We're into Thanksgiving week and across the country, probably the whitetail rut's been going on for a little bit. And there are a lot of areas where the whitetail rut will continue going on now for pretty much the next month. We'll be down in South Texas here in about two or three weeks and uh, really kind of looking for that to spend some time back down the brush country both brandon and i are going to be down on a lease that uh belongs to the trhb outdoors guys and um we're hopefully find a big old buck down there and maybe rattle up a buck there as well too and, and maybe even call a javelina or a coyote where we're there so you can't ever tell but please join us right back here next week don't forget to uh, get in touch with us, as Brandon says, at Larry Wysoon Outdoors or Larry Wysoon. Uh, I'm sorry, at Larry Wysoon. The outdoor side is gone now. It's just plainly at Larry Wysoon and then also my Facebook page. And uh, if you get a chance, check out that rattling video that seems to have gone viral. And uh, if you got any comments, let us know, because I'd, I'd like to have your opinion as to why this thing went as crazy as what it did. So <laughs> y'all join us right back here around the campfire next Next week, and and uh, we'll tell another hunting story or two. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Crown Bar in Lagrange, Texas, H3 Whitetail Solutions, Remington, Texas Wildlife Association, TRHP Outdoors. wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment you'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky pursuing wild game in wild places Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.